Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Whenever you are listening to this, welcome to Ayers on the Road. We have had a wonderful week. We hope you have, well, wonderful ups and downs. Let's say that. Probably everybody feels the same. We had a busy on-the-road day yesterday, or two days ago, didn't we? I had a birthday. I'm trying to ignore my birthdays, and Linda just won't let me. She likes to dramatize the fact that I'm older than her, so we have to celebrate. Oh, gosh. Richard, you are so funny. Let's not talk about numbers here, but let's just say we we started off on in Arizona with our daughter, where we'd been... Because our granddaughter, bless her heart, had her missionary farewell. She's on her way to serve a humanitarian mission and a proselyting mission. And she was called to go and serve in Uruguay, which we think is a wonderful little South America. We think it's the best country in South America. This year it is, and next year, absolutely. But then this girl got reassigned along with hundreds of thousands of missionaries right now in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They've all been brought home from foreign countries because of the COVID and she's been reassigned to Austin, Texas, um, which she's very excited about. But then a, uh, a couple of weeks ago, she got a Temporarily message. reassigned, we right. hope. We, we hope we she'll still make it to Uruguay. But then I mean, I like how I say that, like a Spanish speaker, Uruguay. Yes. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> um, it is, that's the best one I've heard you say in Spanish, <laughs> actually. Um, but uh, now, two weeks ago, she got notice that they can't really take her right now. So she's, she's finished the home MTC, which is remarkable. It is so different than um, the one that our children experienced um, many years ago. But anyway, back to the, the the day we had. Speaking of being on the road, we got we flew home on the birthday. Then we went up and saw our daughter, and yeah, who lives in Salt Lake. And then we went and saw another daughter and her family that lives in Ogden, Utah. So we just hit the road, Jack, didn't we? We did. We were had a chance to be with three of our families in different locations on in one day. Um, thank goodness for the airlines. We uh, we were in, in Arizona to start with, with breakfast and then lunch with our daughter in Salt Lake and then dinner with our daughter in Ogden and all their families. And so, don't worry, we're, we're, we're being careful on this coat. You wouldn't believe how careful we are. And it turns out flying, if you get on the right airline, is a pretty safe deal. We, uh, on our way to London last month, uh, my plane on the way back had 25 people on it. It holds 280. And even even to Arizona on the airline we went on, we were pretty well distanced. But anyway, we're, we're being careful and we're back now. And um, the thing is, on birthdays and on this holiday season coming up, Linda, aren't we all gonna be glad for Zoom and for FaceTime and for other ways to get together virtually. I'm not saying it's the optimal. I'm not saying a lot of us won't say, well, gee, you know, what is Thanksgiving if you can't really gather and eat turkey and hug each other and watch football? And You can, I guess, if you're careful in small groups, but best to be safe. And uh, 
I, we, we appreciate it on our birthday, though. FaceTimes and Zoom, and it's like we're, you know, that our family's spread out. We've got a family, a son in Switzerland, and this daughter in London, and two of our two kids in, in, Hawaii. in Hawaii. And it was just so great to be with them and be able to see them and talk to them. I mean, that's two of your senses, right? You can see them, you can hear them. You can't smell them or taste them or hug them. <laughs> But two out of five ain't bad. Anyway, we, we want to talk today about, we've been on this, this kick about stories, different kind of stories, and we want to spend some time on the podcast today talking about prayer stories, the power of prayer. A lot of us are praying in different ways than we have lately. We're praying for the world. We're praying for our country. We're praying for people in the third world who have really no defense against COVID. And we're praying for people who have had their economies shut down and in in third world countries and are descending into extreme poverty. Some estimate that a billion people who had risen out of extreme poverty as a category of two dollars a day or less if you can imagine over the last 20 years and nearly a billion people had ascended out of that doleful category (coughs) and now with covid they're descending back into it and it's tragic and and i think a lot of us are praying about we're praying in a macro way for our divided country as we approach this election we're praying in a macro way for, you know, the world and particularly the poor in the world and those who are infected in the world. And um, we're also praying in a micro way for members of our own family who may be sick or who may be vulnerable or who we're particularly worried about. We're praying for ourselves as we try to endure this, this time. We're just trying our best not to get into any further difficulty than we're in. And, and prayer, there's a lot of stories to tell about prayer, Linda, and we're going to tell you some today. And each of you have your own. Um, we're actually working on a book right now that's called Prayerful Parenting. And it'll be published by a major publisher, a secular publisher, not someone that publishes religious books. And the first thought was, well, can we, can we do a mainstream book called Prayerful Parenting? Or does that get too religious? Did that offend some people? And we've done some studying. And, you know, what's interesting is that 90% of Americans say that they pray. In fact, I'm looking at a website right now that the Pew Research Center, 55% of Americans, Linda, say they pray daily. And that is really rare that in the really first world. In the first world, in fact, there's a kind of an inverse relationship. If you look at studies that have been done, the lower your income, the more likely you are to pray. And that doesn't really have anything to do with income. It has to do with where you live. And people in Muslim, Muslim countries pray a great deal, and many of them are poor, and on and on and on. We're not getting into statistics. but. But America is unique in the sense that we have a high income and we have a really high rate of prayer. That doesn't happen in Europe. It doesn't happen in Asia and in other developed parts of the world. So 
our feeling is, of course, we can, we can publish a book called Prayerful Parenting because the vast majority of Americans do pray. Now, the question is, isn't prayerful parenting even a more powerful project because the time we maybe pray most earnestly is when we're praying about our family, about our children. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. It's, it's really interesting. And sadly, when we pray the hardest is when one of our children has had a, prob- had a problem or is having a problem or going through a hard time. Um, of course, that's to be expected. That's what prayer is for, to reach out to God to help us. But, wow, um, sometimes we... Um, I, th- I think we could pray more earnestly just on the day-to-day. Um, yeah, we And especially that, right now. I think really during this pandemic, there have been there, more prayers yeah. going up to heaven than in years past. We've, we've wished, and we know many of who have, for a, a national day of prayer or an international day of prayer that we can get through this pandemic. And you're reminded of um, the book of James, Chapter 5, verse 16, a, 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 a so often quoted verse, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. I love that, availeth much. Prayer availeth much. Prayer isn't just an exercise. I've heard people say, well, prayer is like meditation. You know, it's a way to center yourself. It's a way to... Um, you know, calm your spirit and lower your blood pressure and so on. No, no, no. Prayer is not a form of meditation. I mean, it may accomplish some of those things, but prayer is something that brings things to pass. It availeth much. It is a force. It is a power. It is a way of approaching problems. You know, when you have a problem, your two basic choices, which you should probably do both of, you can try to do something about the problem, or you can pray about them, and both of them availeth much. They bring things about. People say, work as though everything depended on you, but pray as though everything depended on God. And both of those things are really true. They're intermingled. You know, I, I feel that I um, often try to solve problems without going to prayer um, first. Um, we decided, oh, maybe a year and a half ago, that we were not going to look at our phones or our computers until we had, first of all, looked to God and had our morning prayer. And that really worked well for a long time for me. Hey, it's still working for me. Did you quit? <laughs> um, yeah, I have not done it as well the last little while because, well, because I've been in the bottom bunk in London <laughs> With yeah, you, a four-year-old above me excuse. and a two-year-old by the side of me, sleeping and waking, and then they wake up, you know, crying or running into their parents' room, and their parents are trying to feed these new babies and all that. <laughs> it's quite an adventure. So it just occurred to me as you were saying that you can so easily get out of the habit of doing that. Yeah, Habits are yeah. really, really important. But um, I woke up this morning and think I am going to do some new things in my life instead of just getting up and doing the same old thing, same old, and it's different every day, but it's kind of the same old thing. What you're saying, Linda, makes occurs to me you could kind of divide prayer into categories, not that that would really be that useful, but 
there, there's the prayer that's a, an urgent prayer. You're in crisis. You're, pray, you're praying. You're in a foxhole, metaphorically. You're praying to survive or to help someone, or you're in deep, urgent need. And then there's what you're saying, the daily prayer that, that we hope doesn't become a ritual or just a repeating of certain phrases. We hope it's meaningful and leads deeper and deeper and deeper. And then I guess there's some combinations of the two, but, uh, you know, um, I love what Tennyson said. Again, this idea that prayer availeth much. It's a way to make things happen. It is a power. Tennyson said, and again, everyone's heard this, more things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. Things are wrought by prayer. Things right. are made. Things are done through prayers of power. It is. And uh, I know you've been thinking, and we've been talking a lot lately about who we pray to. <coughs> That's a different story, but... Um, and uh, maybe a subject for another time, but it really is interesting of how, who, yeah. who you're picturing. Who you visualize, yeah. Who do you visualize as you're praying to? Or do you? I mean, just somebody up there, or do you really visualize um, a person? Well, <coughs> excuse me, it's funny you'd bring that up, honey, because we're doing a little series, I'm doing a little series right now, Linda's helping me with it on Meridian Magazine. Some of you may read Meridian Magazine. You can look it up online. Um, the article this week is um, entitled, Who Do, you pray, Who do you pray To? And that's really improper English. <laughs> to whom do you pray? But um, it really is amazing that to think about. I mean, do have we really thought about that lately? It really is. We asked a bunch of people, and, and in our community at least, it's really interesting because many say, well, I, I pray to Jesus. Many say, well, I pray to God, who's Jesus' father, but he looks like Jesus, so that's who I envision. And still others, though, say, well, I pray to Heavenly Mother, I believe, or I pray to both because I feel um they're they're different but united power and on and on and on and so there's a i think what we're saying honey is there's a we can all do a lot of work on prayer you know we can all strive to do better on prayer so it really is interesting and i think we need to take a break but we're going to tell you some stories about prayer family prayer in the second half of the show so stay with us on Ayers on the road we'll be right back Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back talking about prayer today. And um, it's kind of a sobering thought. We've been kind of sober today um, because it's something that's so important in all of our lives. But I, we thought this second half we would just talk about some prayer stories um, that we've experienced. And we're, we're hoping that you'll be thinking about stories in your life about prayer. In fact, it's interesting. In, in the stories theme, we were thinking that today we would do the show on what we were going to call hard stories. We talk about crises and really tough times that we've experienced and that we've all had our tough times. And then we thought, you know, let's, let's put a more positive twist on it. Let's talk about prayer stories because 
the times we are having the hardest time may be, maybe this shouldn't be the case, but they may be the times we pray the hardest. We were just in Arizona, as we mentioned, and we're with our daughter there who has a daughter, our granddaughter, who, this, this just takes my mind back to a time of intense prayer. Linda, this little girl was born and she had an extra toe and she had some other things that worried her parents and worried us and yeah and everyone said well it was it's fine it'll be fine lots of kids were born with extra digits and so on but we started looking things up and things weren't quite on target and it turned out to be a syndrome called the Bardet beetle syndrome um, <clears throat> named for the scientists who discovered it and wow has that led us on a journey of prayer a journey of prayer because this is a syndrome where Many problems, problems with the liver, problems with uh, weight gain, problems with blindness. The, maybe the most obvious one is that ch people with this syndrome go blind and, and talk about a lot of prayer, uh, not only in their family and our family, but among friends and so many other people. And, and you, you wonder in a case like that, is the prayer for a miracle, make this syndrome disappear, make this person completely normal and whole, or is it, is it for God's will to be done, or what is it? But now, this darling girl is 14 years old, and we can have the benefit of hindsight, and we can see how, how effectual all those prayers really were, how much they wrought. And sometimes prayer, um, really helps a scientific discovery. I mean, it is pretty amazing. I mean, we're all wishing for a, a vaccine now for this pandemic. And if yeah. everybody were praying every day for those people who are working on it to discover something, it would be a moving, um, yeah. a moving thing that would really help. But we've been praying for this little girl for 14 years. And she and has... And our prayers are so totally answered, but in a completely different way than, than we expect. thought. Yeah. Well, except that we have been praying for... Uh, these children often really gain a lot of weight, and many are obese, which is so hard yeah, for their health syndrome, and so yeah. on. With this syndrome. And uh, they have now, through prayers of everybody, every parent and everybody in the scientific world that's working on this particular thing, have been answered somewhat because she's been in a trial. Um, right now, she's in Wisconsin today, I think, yeah. with one of her parents. At a special um, clinic. Three and a half hour flight, three and a half hour drive to this special clinic, and she's been doing, taking shots every day for a year, and they have found a way for these right. kids to lose this weight. It's amazing. amazing. It's, it's a miracle, but but she is losing her sight. But you know, she's such an interesting plucky girl we, we were talking with her while we were there and she's saying you know i have super senses i can hear better than anyone because my side is going i i'm my ears work better she's so my darling, nose works yeah. better i have super senses it's just so amazing and uh and super abilities she's an amazing artist for as long as she's able to see she and she thinks so deeply. She's really very mature in a lot of ways. Well, and, what, and think what, what this little girl has done for her family. I mean, when you see the love, sometimes a family, and this is a really successful sort of 
family that you know you could look at them and say wow they they're just living the life and they have so many blessings and so on but the fact that they also have this tremendous challenge and trial and this this subject of so much prayer has just drawn them it's given an added depth a whole new dimension well especially not her only siblings, to the parents but yeah, to her siblings, siblings yeah who have just become so loving and so aware and so empathetic in ways that they would not have been otherwise. So you look back and you see all these answers to prayers. It makes me think of our own situation once when we were in England while we were mission presidents there. Wow, remember that time of prayer when I, we had a child that was born nine weeks premature in a tiny little district hospital in the countryside of England where they didn't have much expertise. Looked like we were going to lose him, looked like we were going to lose Linda. You talk about prayer, you talk about intense, deep, almost bargaining prayer. That's what we get to sometimes, don't we? Yeah. And, and um, what an answer to those prayers. And in that case, all of our missionaries were praying and fasting, and all the members of our congregations there were, and, and it ended up, and, and Jonah ended up 40 days and 40 nights in an incubator in a London hospital, and it was a time of tremendous struggle and prayer, but looking back, it united us, it united our missionaries, it united so many things, it was such a collective blessing. Again, you can't see the answer to these prayers well, until years go by. Something you said made me smile because I was just remembering what our daughter <clears throat> told us. We were watching a volleyball game of our granddaughter. We were there. She's a fabulous volleyball player, but she they have a son. This is the sister of the little girl with the syndrome This is that, that plays no, volleyball. Right. Yeah. But the mother was sitting with us watching us, and she was laughing and saying she remembers the day when their son, who was a fabulous volleyball player and played volleyball in BYU's team last year, when they were ranked number one. Anyway, she said when high school at the final, the state final, she was praying so <laughs> hard. She made, I, I think we all kind of do this when we get desperate. She made a deal with the Lord. If, don't, don't go into specifics. She you, <laughs> no, I, you know, I think we all do this. Um, if he can just win this game, I, I will read the scriptures 30 minutes every day for a month. We're and not intending that to be no, an I mean, example No, we're all laughing about it, just thinking sometimes <laughs> we get so desperate, so desperate, we'll give anything. And actually, she did do that. <laughs> she did do it just to keep the deal. But, of course, we don't make deals uh, with <clears throat> our Heavenly Father. Yeah, but it, but it is an indication of how... And of course, one of the things we have to learn in prayer, especially in our family, is that we, we, need to, we need to say and mean and feel, thy will be done. And we have to, we have to understand that of course. God in his wisdom knows so much more than we do, and we're, we, we can't impose our will on a prayer. We and have to hope and pray and think and do the best thing we can. And you know, Linda, I was thinking... You, you said something so interesting in the first half of the show that it's not the urgent, fervent crisis prayers. It's how do you approach prayer every day for your family? Is part of your parenting strategy and is part of your whole daily effort 
an effort to say basically to God, think of the power of a parent's prayer. You're really saying, Heavenly Father, you're, you're the real parent, or you and Heavenly Mother, that I'm the, I'm the babysitter, I'm the steward, you're the one that is the real parent of these. Help me in my ignorance and my beginning stage of parenting. Help me to know what to do. Help me to see into this child's personality and know what he needs, know what she requires. And, and so if that becomes a daily beautiful process, then, and you know, we all keep thank you, a lot of us do keep thank you journals. One of our books has just been reprinted as a, a book called Daily Thanks, where you, you write your gratitude in every day. A lot of people do that, right? Because they know that gratitude is linked to happiness. And of course, prayer should always include gratitude. But I also wonder if we shouldn't keep some kind of a journal or maybe augment the gratitude journal with keeping a record of the things we ask for. Well, we did that when we were first married. We started yeah. to keep a prayer journal of things we were asking for. And then we kind of, after years passed and we kind of forgot about it, we looked back at it and it took our breath away. Oh, it did. Of how those prayers were answered, some in ways we had no way of knowing, and some ways in ways that we didn't want to have them answered. But they were answered. But they were answered. It was really pretty incredible. So I, th I think maybe, you know, if someone was to say, what's the greatest single thing parents could do to be better at their parenting and, and more assured of their families turning out well, I, I would say prayer. I would say it's the most powerful tool, tool parents have and that when we pray and when we do it diligently and in a disciplined way and where maybe, like I say, we keep a gratitude journal where we record what we're thankful for. And I mean, it, it, it's think of the difference of a gratitude journal if you're just keeping track of things you're grateful for versus if they're the things you're actually thanking God for every day, right? Right. And if in addition to that, there's some record kept because it shows how seriously we take these requests that we're making to God and keep track of those. And as you say, Linda, over time, we see how they're answered. Well, I think that sometimes we need to um, just be more aware and just pray always. That's, that's in the scriptures. Pray always, pray always. Just keep a prayer in the mind all the time. Um, it really is so useful. We are walking around in a world that is so unsure right now. So, um, I, I, you know, you remember how you felt at the first of the pandemic? We were talking about um, liminal space, the space between the time the pandemic started and we had the earthquake and all that in Utah. We all thought it would be a couple of and months. And we just thought it would be a couple of months and it will be over and so on. And it is, it, it, we were, our breath was taken when our son in London was told in March not to come back to the office until October. We thought, huh, by October this will be all over. Are you kidding? They're crazy. Then they now just got notice. back for a year. Do not come back until February, which is just a, a month before a year. Um, how we work with these liminal times is going to be so important in the future, I think, with, with our families, with our spouses, with our children. It really is so important to remember that prayer is probably the only thing we can do in a lot of cases. Well, and we'd kind of like to challenge you and, and challenge ourselves, frankly, to 
make one of the legacies that comes from this pandemic, because it will end. I mean, we will get past it. We don't know the timing, but we will get past it. And wouldn't it be nice if we could look back in some future year and say, you know, one of the things that happened to me personally during that really, really unique and dark and sometimes very difficult time is that I refined the way I pray. I became better because you could, you really could call prayer a skill. I mean, I, I don't like to do that. It's, it's, it's much more than that. But you can become better at prayer. You can become better at listening. You can come, become better at deciding what to ask for and, and listening to answers. And you can certainly become better at gratitude. And you can become better at relationships and taking care of the people that you love during this crazy election cycle, it is one of the most important things to do to remember that our relationships are most important. Even if people are voting for somebody you don't think they should vote for, there are families that are fighting, there are things that are happening. We just really hope you use prayer in your lives every single day. And so, prayer stories. Tell your own prayer stories. Tell them to yourself, tell them to your children. Build your own faith and build theirs in this powerful practice of prayer. We wish you the very best. See you next time on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye.